Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Johnny Christmas. And today we're going to be looking at a couple games we've been playing lately. Then we're going to be doing a review of Dulasaur Island. Then a new segment called Showdown in Meeple Town, where we're going to compare Azul, Azul stained glass of Sintra, and Reef. So thanks for joining us for episode number four. So I found it unnecessary to say this is, and then my name, for efficiency's sake. Isn't is this isn't this way more efficient, like Dwight? Yeah, Do you I remember mean, that episode of The Office. If you're going for efficiency's sake, maybe not Johnny Christmas. You could just say John. I and guess then I would have saved us like a good 15 seconds. I think. Yeah, let's talk about this for another five minutes <laughs> for efficiency's sake. <laughs> so you've already wasted two minutes of our episode. Oh my goodness! The funny thing is, is Dean really wants to be a Christmas tree. So if you could see him right now, he's wrapped himself in Christmas lights. There are ornaments hanging from his earlobes and from his nose. And uh, he's swaying back and forth because uh, Christmas trees sway back and forth. In Just the house. so you know, we typically, in our studio, we have a costume department. And so <laughs> every episode I dress up like something that's seasonal, like a turkey or a Christmas tree. We thought to give you all the best podcast experience possible, we would hire someone to do wardrobe and uh, makeup for us. Because we thought that would be important. <laughs> Efficiency. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about some polls. Because, again, these are really fun. And we are getting close to the end of our Christmas movie tournament. And so since last time uh, we did our podcast, we got down to a final four. And the final four was and is. Uh, there's still a couple. three. Uh, there's three left in here. Christmas Vacation. Nightmare Before Christmas, Home Alone, and A Christmas Story. And so we are doing just face-offs here with, uh, with these. And so the first one was A Christmas Story and Home Alone. And what happened, Dean? Uh, Home Alone? <laughs> I don't have no idea. Home Alone, I think. I just want to make as many awkward moments as possible for you in this. <laughs> no, Home Alone blew A Christmas Story out of the water, pretty much. 73% to 27%. And by the time you listen to this podcast, this other one will be finished. And that is Christmas Vacation versus Nightmare Before Christmas. And thus far, it is 86% Christmas Vacation to 14%. So unless something dramatically changes, it looks like we're going to have a Christmas Vacation and Home Alone uh, face-off in the final match for the winner. And yeah. I will make sure that we do not start this until after this podcast is released and I'm probably going to end it on like Christmas Eve to give plenty of people a chance to vote and you'll be able to decide who is the Meeple Town greatest Christmas movie for this year and apparently by the way I uh, didn't put Dean's favorite movie in the tournament <laughs> I guess I could have requested that beforehand but we'll just put an asterisk next to it and just know that the Jim Carrey version would have of never Christmas won. Carol would not because it's nobody's top 10 maybe, favorite Probably movie not. it's not a bad movie no, well, it, by that you mean it's an excellent movie <laughs> then you would be correct yes. oh it's my goodness you know what's funny is when I, when I was looking at this and I was like how in the world did Nightmare Before Christmas make it to the top four and i was like what in the world happened but then i was like oh i've actually never seen it so it might be really good it's a I good just... it's a really good movie okay yeah I, I i love it i think right now our demographic is kind of our age dean and those are like some super 
movies from our day and age. You think Home a lot Alone. of the listeners are 20, 23 years old? 20, yeah, that's how old we are. We're, <laughs> we're only 23 years old. We were That would make us born in the late 90s or mid to late 90s. Yes. Yeah, that's am, definitely not what happened. I am not in my 20s you are by not. any stretch anymore. You are not. He's 67. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually somewhere in between those two numbers. <laughs> All right, Dean. So... You know, regularly we have to have someone get us back on the right track and actually remind ourselves that we're a board game podcast. So, what you been playing lately, homie? Alright, I have been playing a game that came out in 2017 called Meeple Circus. And this is by Madigo Games. It's designed by Cedric Millet. And Meeple Circus is a dexterity game. It got a lot of buzz when it first came out. I haven't really heard much about it lately, other than it has an expansion that is soon to be released. But in Meeple Circus, it's it plays out in three rounds. The first two rounds are simultaneous. So, like, if you and I are playing this game, we are both trying to build up our meeples into a position where we're going to score points in the circus ring. So we start this timer play it in a circus music, you know, the da 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 Plays for about two minutes, I think. And then we would have already um, drafted our pieces. So we would draft like an Mm. elephant and other meeples and stuff like that. And then you have cards that lay out, and they're going to show you how you're going to score your points. And so timer starts, and you're like stacking your meeples on top of each other. And, (laughs) and, you know, there's boards, there's animals, like horses and elephants and tigers see that and here. seals and and then the different meeples there's three different type of meeples that play out in different ways uh, you know for for their position they score more points depending on where they are and then you're also going to get special meeples like a strong man or um i don't know there's lots of other ones an acrobat where you flick them off the top at the end of the round to get bonus points or something interesting but it plays really quickly and i play i've played this game quite a bit i've introduced my my extended family to this game they really like it and my son and I were playing the other day we just had some time before dinner and so we set it up he's six years old and he whooped me really oh man he destroyed me and I feel like I'm usually pretty good at this game but the first two rounds you're playing simultaneously so you're doing your own thing but the last round it's really intense because you have a special goal that you're trying to accomplish in that last round but then you're also setting it up by yourself so individually you go around the table and everybody does their own meeple circus with this pressure music going on and so every time i went to try to do this certain move like to set this meeple on top of another meeple to get bonus points every time i did it i kept knocking it down and then like you know the timer's counting down more and you have to stack all these up again my son's taunting me in the background so you're not very good at high pressure situations <laughs> huh dean no <laughs> apparently not but but this game is a lot of fun i feel like i usually do pretty well at this game but for some reason this this particular time did not work out it that looks way, fun but, yeah I mean, looking at these uh little meeples and stuff i think that's cool a it's silly f- fun i mean it's just it looks like silly fun yeah I think, you know, I'm looking at thinking I should get a, uh, have a few more little fun dexterity games because I don't really. So that, yeah. that's that's pretty cool. And it's a time dexterity game, which makes it even, mm. you know, yeah. like high pressure, like a, a kitchen rush kind of game where it's just like high pressure and yeah. you're feeling it. That's kind of cool though. I mean, I like stuff like that, actually. I know a lot of people don't like timers, but I'm fine with it. Yeah. I mean, if it, it, you know, if it fits appropriately and I think that's actually pretty cool. You mentioned earlier that um, it got a lot of hype right off the bat and then no one's talked about it much lately. 
that never happens in the board game world. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure there's people that play this. We never get all excited about new games and then completely forget about them, even though they're good. That's very true. But this one, I mean, it's ranked in the top thousand games. Yeah, it looks cool, man. I actually would, I would really like to play this um, with you and my kids or whatever. Maybe we should do that sometime. Why we watch uh, Greatest Showman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's actually what we thought about while we were playing it, but. That just just a little inside information to all the residents of Meeple Town. I am not the biggest fan of that movie, and Dean really enjoys it quite a lot. So. Yeah. So you can keep joining in the show because I feel like if we both didn't like it, you would all leave because it's such an excellent movie. I will do it if you sing the Greatest Showman songs. I will not with them on the TV while we play Meeple Circus. <laughs> I will not, but I'll stack up Meeples. What have you been playing? All right, so uh, something that I've been playing lately and I actually brought out for Dean to get a chance to play it with me is a game that's been out for several years now, uh, 2015, I believe, and that is Above and Below. And Above and Below is a Ryan Lockett game um, published by Red Raven. And I would say a lot of you probably have heard about it, but if you haven't, it's really neat because you're you have like uh, this village and you're going and you're collecting um, different resources by going down and exploring into the caves, which is really really cool. And you're also buying different buildings to put them in your village above. And then again, when you go down below, you're doing exploration. And the cool thing about above and below is it kind of has that um, you know it's obviously not near as complex or whatever as like a Dungeons and Dragons but it has that kind of um, you go down and it says you've entered into a room with a table lay before you there's silverware and blah 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 and what do you do do you steal the silverware or do you go exploring at another place or something like that and I first of all I love those kind of games and the thing that I enjoyed about above and below was it was a very entry level to a game like that and so I thought, I think it's a really great game, actually. And, and because it's a gateway into those types of games and people who may have never, you know, done that, have never opened a storybook or anything like that before, may, you know, open it up and go, this is kind of cool. I think I might like this. Yeah, I had it on my wish list for a while. I've been wanting to play it for a really long time, actually. And and they came out with games in that vein, I guess. I think Islebound kind of fits that. A little bit, but especially near and far is supposed to be like a maybe a little bit of a heavier version of that type of game. Like yeah, that. I've never played it, but I absolutely want to play it now. Yeah, that's that's right. I I didn't really have like okay. I said above and below was on my wish list. It was, but it wasn't anything that I was like dying to play. Yeah. But now that I've played it, I do want to explore the other the other games that he has and, and explore above and below more. It's like a yeah. it's like a simplified choose your own adventure game, which I think is yeah. really cool. See, I I want I really want to play Near and Far now um, because I would like it to be a little bit you know more in depth. But I I know I've heard people say that they've you know got rid of above and below after having Near and Far. But I think there's a place for both because this is definitely this this is I wouldn't say it's a gateway game, but it is pretty simple. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, the weight is two and a half, but I thought it was, I don't know. Like I, I thought it was pretty simple. Yeah, but there's there's I several guess there's things that, going on. You I know, guess for like, someone totally new, it would be kind of a little bit too yeah. much, maybe. But if you've played a few games, I think this would be an easy one to kind of to go to go as a next step. Oh yeah, it's simple and it is intuitive. It's just 
uh, I think because there are several things going on, like you have to have so many beds for how many characters you have out on the board. Sure. And you have to think about like the buildings above ground and the buildings below ground and like how many resources you're gathering you and stuff like that. So, that. I mean, there's a, a decent amount going on. Yeah, there's a decent amount going on. But I, I anyways, but I did. I quite liked it. Yeah. Um, if you haven't played it and you want a lighter game like that, I would absolutely recommend it. And Ryan Lockett does his own art. Like, and it's really good. Does his own art, the design, the publishing. Yeah, that's he solid. Is, they call him the Renaissance man of board game. I'm telling publishing. you, he He's, does a great. You know, he does a great job. Yeah. it's awesome. So, but if you if you if you like heavier games or more story, it's not heavy story. There's just a little bit in, as you're going down. Right. You right. know. So that's cool, though. Uh, that's what I've been playing. Yeah, that is what we've both been playing. That's and true. Uh, next up, we're going to look at our review of Dulasaur. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk about our new rating system. So in the last couple weeks, we had a few residents from Meeple Town reach out to us and, and ask us to reconsider the way that we do our rating system for our reviews. And the reasoning was we have traditionally had a, a six-point rating system. And in that, they said that if you rate something a three, then that automatically kind of shuts them off for a game that they're interested in at all. Mm. And in our minds, I think we thought, you know, three's not necessarily a bad game. It's a game that we would play. It's kind of middle of the road. Yeah. But in a six-point system, it's actually lower than middle of the road. And so, you know, we, we kind of tossed around some different ideas that we might do. We said, you know, we could do a five-point rating system. We could do a a possibly a seven point rating system we've kind of gone all over the place on this but what we've decided is that we're going to do a 10 point rating system based on the way that games are rated at board game geek yes and the reason the biggest reason why we're going to do that is because if you go to board game geek and you look at their rating system you know it's one through ten and then when we talk about games and compare them to what the rating is on Board Game Geek. We use that same system, and so it really only makes sense that, that that's the way that we would rate our games. And so, we're gonna do a one through ten rating system. And to make it even a little more complicated, we're actually gonna allow half points as well. And we feel like that's gonna help us to be able to really hone in on how we feel about yeah. that game so that there's not really any of that ambiguity even if we really talk up a game you know you can look at the rating and there's not much ambiguity as as to what we actually feel about the game yeah i'm excited about it you know we don't want to change things all the time but we really felt like this was something important and we did get a lot of feedback about that i'm thrilled though because i think um lining it up with board game game geek is going to be really fun actually and so we can actually look at what we rated it versus with them and have some cool talk about that i think it'll be nice for y'all as well because you'll get again like dean just said a better sense of where we're at on games and even having those half points it'll help to kind of even maybe rank the games a little bit and you can see okay well this game's a little bit more above this instead of it being a both of them are fives and you're not really sure what's better, right? Right, and that, that's that's one of the one of the concerns about how we have the rating system yeah. set up. So what I want to do right now is I'm gonna just list what some of these numbers might mean. I'm not gonna go through all ten, but I'm reading this directly from Board Game Geek because this is kind of the um, this is kind of the the not rubric, but this is the sure. you know the, this is what we're Pretty gonna much. be using for when we rate games. So for example, if we give a game a one. According to Board Game Geek, it says it defies description of a game. You won't catch me dead playing this game. Clearly broken. So that is what we mean if we give a game a one. 
Side note, we're probably not going to give probably a game a one not. because we only do 26 episodes a year and we want to do good games for the most yeah, part. So. Unless Meeple Town really wants us to do a game and we think it's terrible. Yes. Yeah. We'll be very honest about, about what we feel. But then we go up here and if we look at a five, it says it's an average game, slightly boring, take it or leave it. So it's not it's not a game that we won't play necessarily. We're, we're just not, not going to seek it out. at all. Exactly. Yeah. And then go up to some of these other ones. A 7 is a good game, usually willing to play. Up to a, a, a 9, which is an excellent game, always want to play it. And then 10, which we probably won't give a ton of 10s in all of our reviews, but these games are outstanding. We always want to play it and expect that this will never change. So that's yeah. like, you know, one of the best games of all time yeah. if we give it There's a, a handful of games in my mind I would give a 10 to, but just a handful at the moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. So what we wanted to do before we move on to the review is we wanted to go back and mention the games that we've already reviewed in our podcast and then Home Alone that we did for the video. We're going to re-rate those right now and then... Uh, at some point when this episode releases, I'm going to start doing a geek list on Board Game Geek so that you can go and look at all the games we've, re- we've reviewed, and then you can see exactly what John and I gave uh, gave the games on there. So, John, why don't you go ahead and, and just go ahead and tell us what your new ratings for our games that we've reviewed so far. Okay, great. So, the first game that we reviewed was Everdell, and I gave it six meeples. In that um, review, I'm actually out of a one to ten. I'm going to give it a nine and a half, which means it is a very, very good game. I've quite, yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. Um, so, Dean, what did you give Everdell? I, I also gave it a six originally, and I'm going to go with a nine and a half as well. Cool. So we're exactly the same Nailed on it. that one. All right, we'll probably have <laughs> some changes in here. There are, yeah, bit, there'll but... be some that are a little bit different. Uh, the next game we reviewed was Welcome to. Dean, what did you give Welcome To? If I remember right, we both gave this one a 4 originally. I'm going to put mine right at a 6.5. Okay. Okay, I went ahead and gave it a 7. So here we see the new ranking system working a little bit. Yes. Where uh, we didn't completely agree. I liked it. Uh, well, I like Welcome To just a little bit more than Dean does. So how about Keyflower? Keyflower was the trickier one for me. I had it at a 6 based on where it was ranked in all of my top games of all time. And originally I gave it a six, and then on this rating system I gave it a nine. I was kind of between a nine and nine and a half. That's I just stuck with nine though. right now. So. Yeah, um, which Keyflo- is an excellent game. Yeah, yeah. Keyflower was one of the ones that this this sixth point rating system frustrated me with because I gave it a four, but I was like, really wanted to give it a five. Um, and so I'm going to give it an eight here on this one. So I like this system a little better. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a eight. It's a great game. I'll go ahead and share my next one, a Home Alone. I gave it a three on the video, and I'm gonna give it a four point five. I don't really like it very much, Dean. I'm just gonna be honest, like straight up. Big G, I hope you're not listening. Yeah, I uh, I will play this one again. The same thing I said in, in the video review is that this is a game that that I enjoy because of the theme. That's it yeah if it wasn't the theme i would give this much lower and this is a game i will play every year because of the theme and and you know christmas game i will play this game once a year when we watch home alone one or home alone two which we do every year as a family that's all i care to play it well i give it a five you gave it a 4.5 i gave it a five would you rate home alone the movie higher than you would rate home alone the game that is not even a contest we're not even we're not even in the same ballpark. We're not playing the same game, brother. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Home Alone the movie. 
uh, one and two, but yeah, the game was just um, very mediocre at best. All right, and then our last one was uh, the review we did for our podcast last week, and that was Santa's Workshop. Mm-hmm. And Santa's Workshop, I gave a five on the podcast, and I'm going to give it an eight here. That's the new rating for cool. it's pretty much uh, pretty standard, I guess. That five to eight is yeah. is pretty normal. So, and I gave it a very um, solid four. I remember saying that, and so I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Um, I really like it. I actually got a chance to purchase it, which was really great. Uh, this last in between these two podcasts, and I played it yesterday with my family, and uh, my ten-year-old really got into it and was really digging the game. It made me feel like Christmas time. Mm-hmm. I re- I like that game. It's such a fun. It's game. a fun game. I actually got another play of it over the weekend as well. Introduced some new players to it. So if you want to get in the Christmas mood and play games, that's a really good one to play. Exactly right. So that's the the new rating system that we have. And with that, let's go on to our review of Dulasaur Island. Dulasaur Island is a two-player only game published by Pandasaurus Games in 2018. The designer is Ian Moss and the artists are Quan Chai Moria, Peter Woken, and Anthony Woken. It plays in 30 to 45 minutes for ages 10 and up. In Dulasaur Island, each player is seeking to build the best dinosaur park, and the player to bring the most visitors into their park by the end of the game will be the winner. Players first decide whether they're going to play the short, medium, or long game, The game end will trigger when one player has reached the visitor threshold determined by one of these links. Each round consists of four phases. In the first round, each player will collect the income of their money and cards. In phase two, the first player will draw five dice from the bag and decide where they will place them on the board. The dice faces mostly offer basic and advanced DNA that's used to make dinosaurs. Certain bonuses will also come up in each game so that this player is placing the dice on the board in a way that will give a player the corresponding bonuses when drafted. This player will then draw three specialist cards and pick two that will be placed on the board for drafting. The specialist cards will help the player to run a more efficient park or give in-game scoring bonuses. After this player has placed the cards and dice, the other player will then have first choice at either drafting a die or a specialist card. Both will continue to draft until a card or die is left. In phase three, players will simultaneously build up their park. They can build attractions by paying money and placing the card at the bottom of the board. These attractions will later give income bonuses at the beginning of the next round, or immediate bonuses, and they'll potentially give points at the end of the game. They can also make dinosaurs by paying the DNA cost to play the card at the top of the board. If they do this, their threat level rises, so they'll need to pay more money to increase the security of their park, so that dinosaurs don't eat the visitors. Because people want to see more dinosaurs in the park, the excitement level will also rise. In the fourth phase, each player checks to make sure that the security level is adequate, and if it isn't, the dinosaurs will indeed eat the visitors. Next, each park will gain visitors based on how high their excitement level is. They will then gain PR bonuses, giving the player with the lowest excitement level a chance to gain a better bonus as a catch-up mechanism. After the threshold of visitors has been met, players add up additional points and the player with the most visitors wins. Now let's move on to the review of Dulasaur Island. So a couple years ago, Dinosaur Island kind of took the board gaming world by storm. 
because of honestly really the artwork is what really drew people in it got some good reviews but this was just like a big deal and it was kickstarted and people were upset because they couldn't get the coins and some of the other extras with the kickstarter so they ran a second kickstarter where they introduced an expansion to dinosaur island along with all the goodies from the original dinosaur island and then they introduced this two-player game Dulasaur island which is what we're going to be talking about today John, tell us about the art and components. What are your thoughts? So, <clears throat> while I'm doing this, I need you to hum the Jurassic Park theme because mm-hmm, we. Mm-hmm, there you go. Because we don't want to pay mm-hmm, to actually put the actual theme <laughs> into the podcast. You think I'll trick? Am I close enough that I'm going to? That was actually it? pretty good. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're in trouble now, Dean. Oh my goodness. So yeah, Dualsaur Island. I've you know I was really excited about playing this first of all before I, I mentioned the art and components because. I would say I primarily play games. Now, I absolutely have gaming buddies I play with, but my wife and I play games more than any other, um, you know, people or persons I play with. We probably play five to ten games a week. So I'm always on the lookout for a really great two-player game. So that really drew me in. Uh, I want to play Dinosaur Island. Um, I'll just say that right off the bat. I have not played Dinosaur Island, and you haven't either. Right, right? I've only set it up. So I kickstarted all of this. I got Dinosaur Island, the expansion, as well as Dulosaur. And I've set up the Dinosaur Island game, because I know that's one that we want to talk about in the not-too-distant future. Yes. And so I have an idea of how it plays, but but I've not played it. Yeah, cool. So anyway, so this will be a, kind of a review without having that, and I think that's kind of interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, art and components, I loved them. Like, I, the box art is crazy cool. It's got this, like, 90s vibe. Actually, this week I was watching the old commercial for Crossfire. And it kind of has those, like, cross-hack, like, those, it just looks like this, like, 90s, like, kind of cool look. And I really want to sing, Crossfire! Okay, sorry, Dan. (laughs) We should do a duet. Anyway, it totally reminded me of that. I loved the boards. Uh, They were nice and thick. And how they had those notches for your pieces, which is so good. Uh, Later on, we'll be talking about Azul. And I want to just say, why didn't you do that on the scoring part of Azul? Because those pieces fly off. These guys did it. Great. The cards are good quality. Um, Everything was very good quality. And the art was really cool. So I give two enthusiastic thumbs up to the arts and components of this game. Yeah, I agree. The, The art, honestly, at first... It, I didn't know what to do with it, I guess, because I was like, what is this? Because it's so different than anything else. I know, I love it. But being somebody who is a big fan of the 90s, like I love 90s music. It's my it's my favorite decade of music. and Me too. Like, I, I grew on me quickly, and I, I love the art on this as well. And I, I want to go ahead and, and shout out, this is Quan Chai Moria who, who did the, the art for this. And let me tell you, this guy is quite the artist. Like, if you go and look on Board Game Geek with his... Uh, with the games that he's worked on, he's worked on some really, really good games, like games with good artwork. Like Kodama has amazing artwork, and Cryptid that came out is is simple, but it's but it's still really good. Yeah. Flip Ships, he did. Uh, let's see, he did uh, Catacombs. He did. Uh, there was another one. Sorry, this is not fun. You guys listening to me like read through these, but I'm having fun uh, okay. actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> But there was uh, uh, Gorus Maximus, which is a game that's not interesting to me, but the art is fantastic. Isle of Monsters. I mean, just if you go through and look, there's nine pages of nine, games really? that have really good artwork on it. 
That's amazing. So that's Quan Chi Moria. But then there are two other artists that are credited on here for for having. I don't know exactly what the breakdown is of their parts, uh, but Peter Walken is one that's on here who who did stuff with Dead of Winter and several that's other cool. really good games. So the art on here is it's tops, man. It's it's fantastic. It's I really love, good. I love the art on it and the components. I'm right with you. The notches on the board, great. The card quality is fantastic. All the the layout and everything. It all just makes sense, you know. There's there's not sense. really any questions. You don't really have to, you don't have to refer to anything because, uh, you know, to the rules very often because on the cards everything is just so clear. It just mm-hmm. all it all makes sense. So I can't complain about anything. Yeah, I and mean that I get, doesn't happen a lot. Like you know, I usually have something I could kind of harp on, but I really can't complain about anything. No, no, not really. I mean, you could say you know I wish that the cardboard pieces were plastic or something like that but even then all the cardboard pieces are thick cardboard they are you know yeah and now we are playing with the extreme edition and so some of the you know some of the components that we're using aren't the same for example i i went in to get the the metal coins on this and those are phenomenal i love the metal coins yeah they're nice and heavy i will say this my wife said that she didn't like several of our coins had notches out of the side and like holes in them and Stuff like that. That didn't really bother me, just because like the it's vintage, man. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like back, you got all these dinosaurs eating coins. Yeah, yeah. Biting all your coins. It's just teeth marks on the coins. It's very (laughs) thematic, I think. But, but I I get it. Like that happens. That's one of the things. But again, that's that's the extras that you're buying on top of this. So it's not even the normal components of the game. But anyway, I'm a fan of of the art and components of this. But what do you think of the and the colors are cool. Yes, like, like this pinks and stuff like they're like in your face. Actually, that is what uh, made me interested in Dualsaur Dinosaur Island. When I first saw that, I was like, "Dude, that's like some really in your face, cool '90s, you know, looking art." So, anyways, go yeah, for it, Dean. Yeah. I kind of cut you off there. All of it, I, and you can't see this because this is, you know, this is audio, so you're not going to be able to see it. I really want to encourage everyone to really just go look at the art on this, just just the box art, you know, for Dinosaur and Dualsaur Island. I think they're all really. Really cool. Oh, Top and the notch. the dice quality of the dice oh, is fantastic. That. Thick, chunky dice. Yeah. They're they're great. Love it. Love it. Love the artwork and components on this. Now, what do you think about the gameplay? Well, if you have really great art and components, having great gameplay would be nice to go along with it, right? Yes, I would hope <laughs> that so. That would be important. <laughs> um, so we've I've played this game several times, and I'm gonna say the gameplay has been pretty darn good. Uh, I. <laughs> So some things, some highlights that I like about the gameplay is when it's your turn to roll the die, the big, nice, chunky dice, you roll them and then you get to put them on this board. And what happens is, is you're either going to have, the dice are going to have things like you get coins or advanced DNA or basic DNA or whatever to either build your dinosaurs or to, um, you know, buy things or whatever. But you put them on this board and there's bonuses depending on where you put them. So for example, if I had a dice that had two advanced DNA, which in this game would be pretty important, I can choose to put them on the slot that has no bonuses at all, or I can put them on a slot that gives you, you know, two coins to go along with it. And it's probably my favorite part because it leads to a lot of interesting decisions. So can I place a die here to tempt Dean to go for this because I really want this other one? But if And I'll put that to where it won't get quite the good bonus, but I'll get that one. Mm-hmm. Or will he go for that one? And, so, and then you're also dealing with two or three specialist cards and picking two of them to put up there, which again 
can I tempt Dean to grab this so I can get what I really want? Or I'm also thinking three steps ahead. He grabs this, I grab this. Or four steps, he grabs that, then I'll grab this. That's my favorite part of the game, I think, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah, it's that, that I pick, you choose. I think it's just so cool. Because you, you, yes. you really... I mean, you can do it quickly, but as the game progresses, you really... Those decisions become harder and harder yeah. because you're really trying to get as many points as you possibly can. And you've got cards that you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to... Uh, how am I going to make this dinosaur with the DNA that I have? Yeah. So I want to place these DNA dice out there so that John doesn't get those, so he's not too tempted by them. Yeah, exactly what you just said. I think that's really I love cool. that. I love that part of it. And and the, the specialist is another important part to the game. Like, depending on... As, as you begin to develop a strategy, then can you combo the right specialist? And you can hold up to three specialists. And so can you get, like, the last game we played, I was able to get ones that gave me coins, and then I was also had a merchandiser um, merchandising thing where I got a victory point per merchandise. Well, if I can get a bunch of coins, then I can actually buy enough merchandise cards to put on the slot. So when you're comboing those kind of things, that was, that, that was a cool part, too. Yeah, you know, one of the things that tends to happen in our game the specialists aren't often taken as the very first yeah you know the very first thing that you're going to take usually is a die because you're trying to you know you you really need dna and you really need money to put these cards out there but the specialists are so cool and they can really i mean honestly some of them seem this might be a negative i guess some Uh, of them can be pretty overpowered uh, or maybe not overpowered but some can be really really powerful that chef one is yeah serious there's a card that when you when you take this specialist, it's called the chef, when you take it into your hand, from that point on, whenever you build, uh, what are the, the, the food, food, whenever yeah. you build the food attraction card, you're going to get one point, one victory point at the end of the game per card that you have. There's another one that does it with the merchants. And that's what I had last time. Yeah, and that so it can be really powerful. You I, know, it's I, interesting though, but it is interesting that we've played three games together. You had the chef twice in one and then I won when I had the merchandising. Are you just bragging that you won the last game that we played? No, like, I'm it. just thinking. <laughs> that's, why would I? You beat me twice. I just let all of the world know because there's millions of people listening right now. Yes. That you beat me two out of three, <laughs> three rounds. Yes, that's exactly right. But but yeah, I, I do think the specialists are cool. And in the base game, okay, I didn't look this up. I don't know how many specials, specialists you get. With the game that we were playing, you get an additional seven specialists. Which is kind of nice, but honestly, even with the specialists that you get in the base game, you're not going to go through all of these. Um, well, in, okay, in a short game, you're not going to go through all these. You no. might go through all of them in a, in a medium length or a, a, a long game, perhaps maybe a long game. But even if you do, you still have to make the choices because you can only hold three specialist cards. So if That's, you're taking another one in, you have to get rid of another one. So even, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's completely fine how many they have, but I, yeah. I like the specialists as well. The other thing that I like is multi-purpose cards. I like this in games in general. Mm-hmm. So a game that I really like is is Bruges. And in Bruges, it's basically a card game. And you are, you are essentially, I, I think there's like five actions that you're going to take from this card. So playing this one card, you can choose which actions you're going to take. And so I like that. I like multi-use cards in games. And this... It's not as prevalent. There's only two uses, right? Only, well, not exactly. So mostly two uses. One, mostly. you can build it for an, you can use it to build an attraction to put it on the bottom of your board, and that's going to give you, you know, card bonuses or coin yeah. bonuses or uh, PR bonuses at the top, which will give you DNA and stuff like that. 
Um, or you can use it at the top of your board to build dinosaurs. You can also discard cards that will help you to you know gain DNA and stuff like Depending that. Depending on your specialists, and right? Stuff like that. Well, even those are not. Yeah, you don't yeah. Have, to have a specialist for that. Yeah, but I like I like multi-use cards, even if it's simple as it is in this game. It it is simple, but it led to interesting decisions. Mm-hmm. Like even at the end of the last game, I was like, ugh. If I build this and I can't build that dinosaur, you know, if I use the traction on the bottom, I can't build that. Right. So I'm like going, uh, and I had a little bit of a wrestling. So I, I, I like that though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is, what do you think, John? If you, there are kind of multiple paths to victory, you know, cause you can get points from the cards. You can get points from the specialist potentially not, that's not as often though, I guess. No. You can get a lot of points from, from making dinosaurs, but the strategy in this game is it's mainly you want to build dinosaurs, right? Which is fine. I, you want to build attractions and things like that. Uh, yeah, too. I mean, the yeah. only other is if you get like a chef's or a merchandising card and then you say, because last game I kind of went that, but I get, ended up building more dinosaurs though. So I don't know. You're probably right. Like that's the, because you, you also get bonuses if you like get sets of three attractions. So I'm thinking, could you build a ton of those three attractions, get a bunch of coins, get a bunch of merchandises or chefs and win that way without doing too many dinosaurs? Maybe, yeah. It would still dinosaurs would get you a tough, lot though. of points. Yeah, so I think it dinosaurs would be... because then you're not getting to move your um, excitement level up any while you're right. doing that. So your right. partner would probably just or your opponent would just wax you. Yeah, but the the good thing about the special is is it if they give you end game points or if they you know give you a certain amount of resources throughout the game, it actually helps you kind of focus in on on an objective potentially. Yeah. So, like, if you have a specialist that's going to give you lots of basic DNA, but you're not going to get a lot of advanced DNA, you might want to build simpler dinosaurs, which, yeah. um, you know, that can which be I, a slower process. But that's also the tiebreaker, whoever has the most dinosaurs. And so building, you know, the smaller dinosaurs is, could be better. Which, by the way, I love that tiebreaker. I do not. <laughs> Actually, I do. I think it's a great tiebreaker. It just lost me. That's what happened time. the last game. Uh, see... I only beat Dean one out of three times, and it had to be by a tiebreaker. <laughs> so I don't think I have much to brag about. <laughs> um, but, you know, I actually, now that you're saying that, I'm actually going to play the game next time and just give all my attention to building dinosaurs and see if that strategy works. Like, I might build a few things on the bottom, you know, the attractions, but really just go all out on dinosaurs and raising my security level, which I would want to make mention of that too. So there's this really annoying part that's really great. (laughs) And that is, it's good because it, it, so whenever you build a dinosaur, they have a threat level. So like certain dinosaurs, like T-Rexes or whatever, or three maybe, you know, they're they're a lot higher threat level than a brontosaurus that might be one or something. Um, so when you're putting them in there, you have to increase your security level with the threat level or you start losing visitors because they get eaten, I guess. Um, so you have a lot of interesting decisions there because you're like, oh man, I want to build this velociraptor, but ah, it's going to raise my threat level too high. I don't have enough money to raise my security level. So do I hold it to next round? Do I let a couple of visitors die? I like that too. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's interesting. Going back, mostly what I've done in my games is focus on dinosaurs. Yeah. But then I don't know. I th- I think having a good balance is good. Because- Maybe yeah. Last game I focused more on the other part, but I guess when I got my other stuff going, it got me a lot of coins and cards, which right. helped me to get dinosaurs right. later on in the game. So it was slow starting, fast end or ending but yeah i tend to focus most of my attention on the food merchandise that gives you more coins just because in games typically i'm trying to gain a lot of money i guess you know so that you can do all the cool stuff and this one that's not necessarily you need money because you have to you know upgrade your 
security and you have to get cards out there and stuff like that but dna is super super important Absolutely. you know to be able to get that so the one thing i tend to neglect more is the the ride attractions you know the ones yeah. that give you the pr bonus at the top i think you know there's some validity in kind of building more of those cards because yeah, you get some I feel really like, good bonuses with that i feel like i kind of only got those to finish the sets yeah me too me too yeah. and in a longer game you need more uh, the PR bonuses go up higher go as higher. the game goes on. Yeah, so later in the game, important. probably you would build, you know, I've only That's played, I guess I've played the medium game one time and then I've played the uh, the short game every other time. And yeah. so I guess as you play longer, you'd probably need more of those bonuses. Yeah. It, would, it definitely changes your strategy for, for sure, 100%. Right. Well, what about anything else about the gameplay that, that really sticks out i mean there's just i there's, think that's that's it there's a me. lot going there's on lot. this is a maybe a negative the first time or two that you're gonna have to play or, or maybe even three times you're gonna you're gonna use the back of the book because you have to go through this series of uh you know there's four phases and then in each of those phases there's several things that you're gonna have to do you're gonna have to use that reference the first couple times you play probably at least one of the people you know one of the uh, one person is going to have to use the reference because they're going to be the ones that reset the board and you know know exactly how much you know when income happens and what yeah. cards go out all that good stuff. So I think you have to pay attention to that. The good thing is didn't is bother that, me at all. Well, of course, because you didn't have to do that, <laughs> but I did, and I'm not smart enough to remember all the phases and everything that goes along with that. But the positive is the rule book is fantastic, I think, and then. On top of like the actual rule book being very clear and concise on most things, when you flip it over, it has the reference on the back. And so, honestly, you rarely need to look at anything else except the back. But anyway, there's, I like there clear is a lot and concise rule books. Yes, yes, that I do is too. So important. All I did for this game, I watched no videos. I read the rule wow. book and then and then played it. That's um, good. I, I think I set it up with myself one time and then uh, taught it to my wife pretty quickly. We we just. So um, we probably played it entirely wrong the whole time. Maybe. I mean, perhaps. <laughs> if you didn't read the rule book, I was just catering to myself. But. All right. Well, that is the gameplay. What do we What do we want to rate this? We're going to go into I, our I was going to toss it to you thoughts. earlier let you give it your first rating since I think I did it first last time. That's probably right. I don't really want to do that this game, but I will. All right. So first, my final thoughts. I really enjoy this game quite a bit. I have a decent amount of two-player only games in my collection, you know, like the Lost Cities and the Battle Line and or Shot and Totten is what I have and then Targi and uh, Patchwork. Like I've got a lot of these games. This one and Patchwork is your favorite. I don't maybe that's for another episode. I don't know what my favorite would be at this that moment. That was a joke. I don't think that was his favorite at all. I was being sarcastic. This one fits a different niche than a lot of them. A lot of the two-player games that I have in my collection are lighter games. Yeah. This is on the heavy it's not a heavy game by any stretch, mm -hmm. but it's on the heavier end of the two-player games that I have in my collection. It's kind of up there with uh, with Targi, I guess. Yes. And I think it's lighter than Targi. There's, you know, there's a lot less to, to keep up with. But the good thing is my wife really likes this game. It's a, and it's a game that is, is meatier than the other ones that we tend to play. She does not like Targi. And so this kind of fits that niche that, that name, I'm looking for. A game that, because she's the one that I'm going to play most of my two-player games yep. with. So for me, I really like this game. I don't have anything to compare it to with, I, I don't have to, like I don't have Dinosaur Island to compare yeah. it with, right? And so, um, 
So right now, as it stands, and I could see this potentially changing but um, over time, but I'm going to give this an 8, which is a very good game. I like to play. Uh, I'll probably suggest it, and then I'll never turn down a game. I think that fits in there really well. My concern is that it could get samey, but I felt that yeah. way after the first time I've played it, and I've played it four or five times now, and I don't feel that way. Like, there's there's enough going on that I feel like this is a game that I do want to play very often. As the year goes on, if I play this a lot more, potentially that could go down to a 7.5 or 7. But right at this very moment, it is an 8. A very good game. Why do we have to agree so much? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> we actually talk about this, Meeple Town folk. Like, we do not want to... We, we really don't want to agree, but we don't want to change our ratings based on what the other person asks, so we legit have no idea what the other person is going to say on this. I pretty much agree with everything that Dean just just So you should have gone first. I (laughs) should have gone first. Dang it. No, I should have gone first. Um, It is a a really great two-player game. Um, It is right now towards the top of my two-player games. I'm not saying it's my favorite or anything. It's not, but it's up there. It, and I think it is because it's just a little bit more meaty um, than like a Lost Cities or something. Though I love Lost Cities. It's quick. Boom, yeah. boom, boom. It's that, That's a great game too, by the way. I really enjoy that. Um, so honestly, man, I've got written right down here that I give it an 8 as well. Um, exactly the same score as you, go. sir. Yeah. So everybody, you need to know that it's a emphatic, definitive 8. If anyone rates this anything other than an 8, they're just simply wrong. <laughs> total joke because this total is the final joke. answer but um, I, i'm interested to see once both of us get a chance to play dinosaur island where that's gonna where fit that's gonna in fit. there yeah uh i don't i don't know enough again i haven't played it so i don't know exactly where that's gonna fit yeah and i act i really do echo what you said about i had i was having after i played it twice i had some concerns is this gonna get boring is this gonna get a little old um but the th- my th- the third time I played it was my favorite time, and I promise it wasn't because I won. I just kind of figured that it was just more thinky. I had I knew what was going on a little bit more, so I like that. I like that by the third time when I was a little afraid it might get boring. It became my favorite time to play. So anyway, I I give it a, a very solid eight, and I'm looking at Board Game Geek now. There aren't a whole lot of ratings for Dulasaur Island right now, and there's only 181 at this point in time, but it's rated. Dean, see, it's the right rating. It's 7.9. <laughs> there we go. Pretty <laughs> so close. So th- that is the correct rating for this game. No. Um, of course, that will probably change when there get to be more folks, but it looks like we completely agree with each other and Board Game Geek, so isn't that exciting? That is very exciting. You know, the funny <laughs> thing is, when I kickstarted this, I originally was not going to get Dulasaur. Yeah. It just did not seem interesting to me at all, but I'm so glad that I did because this, this is... Uh, it's a really good game. We enjoy it. Yeah, I don't have either one, but I want to get Dulasaur now that we've played this for sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for the review of Dulasaur Island. John gave it an 8, and I also gave it an 8. Next up is a new segment where we're going to be doing Showdown in Meepletown, so stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the moment you've been waiting for, where we will pit similar games against each other and each decide which one is the best. This is the Showdown in Meepletown. All right, Meepletown, I am ready to introduce a new segment to you. It is called Showdown in Meepletown. 
You have to say it like that. Dean, can you say it like that real quick? <laughs> Apparently, I can't whistle. I was trying to, <laughs> whistle, the worst the, I was trying to whistle the good, bad, and ugly music into my microphone, and <laughs> nothing came out. <laughs> I'm not a great whistler, but that was like, uh, th- that was pretty bad. Showdown in Meeple Town. <laughs> you know what That's that shows? What that shows that you do not thrive under pressure, like we talked about earlier <laughs> in the podcast. That's right. All right. So, uh, the showdown in Meeple Town, the whole premise behind this is to pick. Um, we may not do three games all the time, but to pick two or three games that have a lot of similarities that you would put kind of in the same uh, category and really rank them. Let them have a showdown and let's just see what Dean and I think about which one's the best. Or if there's three like we'll do today, we're going to rank them one, two, and three. Uh, I'm pretty pumped about this because there's often times where I may want to you know, buy a board game, and I'm like, you know what? I want a new um, deck building game. So let's do a. And these three are really popular. I would love for someone to go. All right, let's go face off. Here we go. One, two, three. This is the ones that I would get, or the ones that I would put on top. So with that being said, today we are going to do three games. They're actually not intentionally, but they're from the same publisher. Um, oh, maybe that was intentionally. It, it, it sound. It was intentionally. That'll make on, it sound better. On my part, it was intentional. Oh. On my part, it wasn't intentional. (laughs) Um, So they're next move games. And they're games that have all come out with the last two years. Right, Dean? I believe they've come out the last two years. And they are Reef, Azul, and the brand new Azul, Azul Stained Glass, Stained Glass? Stained Glass. (laughs) Stained Glass. Centra. (laughs) There's this new thing that we're coming out with. It's Stained Glass. Um, anyway, so we're going to actually rank these three. So, Dean, why don't you share with us what Azul is in case the listeners don't know, even though it's pretty popular, but there may be some that haven't uh, played Azul. Very true. So all of these are, are abstract games, so we don't need to yes, mention that, I guess. should have mentioned that. They're bad. all abstract. Azul is an abstract tile drafting and placement game so everyone has their own little board where they're going to be drafting these little colored different colored tiles and And they're they're pretty they are really pretty they're going to be placing them onto their board and at the after all of those tiles have been drafted from the center you're going to slide if you've completed a row there's five different rows so if you've completed a row with that particular color you're going to take one of those tiles move it over to that color on the other side and then throw all the other tiles back in the bag. None of this really makes sense unless you're looking at it. It's yeah. it's super it's super abstract, simple brother. game. Yeah, it is really really simple. But but that's the the essence of it. I mean, yeah. you're just drafting tiles, putting in the uh, putting them onto your board, and then the first person to com- to complete a row, a horizontal, yeah, yeah. A, a horizontal row. You're going to. It wouldn't be a column, I guess. So you were right with row. That's right, right. I, <laughs> I, could, I, I, could, was... I could sense the hesitation, but I was just figuring out, you know, add a little bit of color to that. A little a little redundant. But yeah. that's going to signal the end of the game, and then that's it. Then you're just you're going to be adding points up as you go. So when you complete uh, when you complete one of your little squares, then you're going to add up, you're going to get points based on which tiles are placed around that as well. So yeah. super simple game. That's Azul. That's Azul. Tell um, us about so, Reef. Yeah. So with Reef, you have, uh, you're, well, you're building a coral reef. So let's kind of get into the theme since it's super thematic right now. 
<laughs> not really, but you're building a coral reef. It's not bad. And it's like an eight, a four by four square. And what you're doing with this is you're actually um, taking cards. There's going to be four cards out on the table and you're going to pick a card and put it into your hand. So there's a little bit of um, hand management in this game. And whenever you have the cards in your hand, you can decide actually each turn to either take a card from the table or play a card. Neat thing about Reef is when you play a card, you're actually going, it's going to have two tiles that are on top of the card, uh, the top part of the card. You're going to draft those two tiles so it may be a green and a yellow or two greens or two purples or whatever. And when you lay down the card, you immediately grab those tiles and put them on your Reef. And then on the bottom part of the card, if you have anything on your 4x4 mat that matches whatever it has, so that could be three um, red corals in a row, or you know ones that are too stacked too high, if you have anything that matches there, then you score points there. So there's a really interesting dynamic of you're grabbing a card, you're playing a card to get tiles, but you're also scoring what's on the bottom. So you have to really think about your hand management and what you're doing ahead of time. There's a lot of forward thinking in Reef. So that's basically Reef. What about the new Azul, sir? Yeah, that's Azul Stained Glass of Sentra. Works a lot like regular Azul. You draft the tiles exactly the same way that you do in the original. But in this one, it's a little bit different because you have your own little window pane and on the pane you have all of these little uh, pattern tiles above that and so what you're gonna do is you're gonna draft them put them on those pattern tiles when you've completed one you're gonna score it flip it over and then it'll have new colors on that tile and then if you complete that same uh, pattern tile again later on in the game then you're gonna score it again and then that card that tile is gonna go away for the entire game you're gonna play through six rounds of this and the interesting piece really comes in the scoring where when you score a tile to uh, like on the left side of the board all of the ones all of the pattern tiles that you've completed to the right you're also going to score those again that's an interesting piece yeah it, it is pretty interesting so that's that's essentially the game though it plays a lot like regular azul except the scoring is quite a bit different and we didn't mention this but Azul and Azul Stained Glass of Sintra, they were both designed by Michael Kiesling. And then Reef was designed by... Emerson Matsuchi. There we go. All right. I realized I forgot about that after the fact. Yes. By the way, if anyone hears any background noise, there's a lot of... it's. We're busy here in Meeple Town today. There's a lot of cars <laughs> buzzing around. And so it's an exciting day. We're getting ready for Christmas. Very true. They knew we were recording today, so they, they wanted to see They knew us. we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we just get right to it, right, Dean? Let's go ahead and, and play our cards and show which one the way that we've ranked them, and then we'll kind of have a discussion about them. So do you want to go first? Yes, I sure do. Go for it, sir. All right, so my number one of all of these is Azul. Azul, all right. Azul, followed by Reef for number two, and my number three is Azul Stained Glass of Sintra, which is interesting that these are actually rated ranked in the order that they came out as well so azul reef and reef stained glass of centra there you go uh, my ranking is going to be slightly different i'm actually going to rank uh reef as number one the original azul as number two and then the new azul as number three so i'll i'll kind of start off by saying this 
This was really hard. We picked, for our first showdown in Meeple Town, we picked three games that are very good, and in my opinion, very similar in ratings. So even though I've got Reef number one and Stained Glass uh, number three, they're both pretty similar in rankings for me personally. I think they're all three very good games, so don't don't ever don't take any of these ratings and go, oh well, I shouldn't buy Stained Glass. No, that's a great game. <laughs> Yeah, the truth is, I own every one of these games, and I really yes. like them. After we, after we got plays of all these games in, I was like, "Oh, I really wish we weren't doing this, the showdown for these games because they are so close. They're so close. I've switched my list so many times, especially with <laughs> Azul and Reef. I mean, honestly, they're so close in their rating for me. I, I could flip flop if you, if you." Had a good discussion with me. I might even change my, my list <laughs> right now. Right now so the goal for the rest of this segment <laughs> is to get Dean to switch over to Reef. But honestly, I don't know if I want to convince you to do that because I had a hard time deciding which one I wanted in first place. So I I think it's cool that you picked the original Zool because that's a great, great game. Yeah. In it, fact, here's something fun about that. The first time I played Azul... Um, I called Dean and I was super disappointed. I, I'm not. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this game isn't that great. And and I hung up on him. You did. You're like, you're wrong, sir. <laughs> you're wrong. And you know, I, I think it had a couple things. Number one, there was, there's so much hype around this game, so much hype. I was literally expecting this to be one of my favorite, if not my favorite, abstract game I've ever played. Like I was just like, man, everyone talks about Azul. So I don't believe it is. So that, that, that that's one factor. And then another factor is there's a very, uh, there's a simplicity to Azul. Now there are some thinky uh, decisions that you have to make. I guess all decisions are thinky, <laughs> but I mean, hard, harder decisions. There are some, some challenging decisions to make in the game. And I think I didn't recognize the depth of it off the bat. And so, like, as I've played progressively, every time I play Azul, I actually like it better. Yeah, yeah. For me, I fell in love with Azul the first time I played it. I played it at a convention, and I had heard so many good things, and so this was, like, one of the top games that I really wanted to play at that con. And and so I sat down and played it, and I destroyed the people that I was playing. That's why it's your favorite. I, I don't care about those things. I really don't. I, I rarely know whether I want a game or not, you know, but for some reason, Same. I just really destroyed them, and I kind of felt bad. But, <laughs> but I really, I really liked it. And let me go ahead and say, Reef. Like I said, I went back and forth on Azul, regular Azul, and Reef for my top one. And let me tell you why Reef isn't in my number one spot. It's because two reasons. One, I've played a two-player game of of Reef, and this isn't a bad thing, but. I played it in about... Actually, we played this together, a two-player yes. game. We played it in, I feel like, 10 minutes or 15 minutes like or something like that. It was kind of like Nerds of Reef. It yes. was speed. We were just going boom, boom. I wasn't paying attention to you. You weren't paying attention to me, and we were trying to play it quickly. Yes. So that was a knock on it for me, not because it was a short game, but because the way that we played it, Yeah. I wasn't at all looking at anything that you were doing. I had no clue what your board looked like, what cards you were taking. I was so focused on my on my but you almost messed me over doing. at the end yeah yeah but it was totally unintentional yeah i had no idea that i was doing that and you could say oh that's a knock on you for playing it poorly and that's fine you you can say that that's okay 
but for me, I wanted to have maybe a little more investment into it. Yeah. You know, I wanted to I wanted to know what you were doing. And the thing with Azul, and actually Azul Stained Glass of Centra does this too. I'm I'm very much focused in on what you're doing as well as what I'm yeah. doing. But with Azul, so that's that's the one knock. The other one is, I feel like, the, for me, the decisions I was making in Azul feel thinkier. And I just feel like I'm just maybe invested in the game a little bit more, whereas Reef seems to be simpler. Again, that's not a, a negative. It's just when I'm ranking them, that's why I put Azul ahead of Reef. But yeah. barely, barely ahead of it. So, and I guess with the amount of plays you have, who knows, you might change it in a year from now if we go back and... and I might change it thing. at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'll say, um, another thing that I will do like about Azul is there's almost like for me a zen kind of feeling while you play it like there are some decisions but it, they're not super heavy decisions most of the time sometimes they are um but it's just a gravitile a place it and so it's 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 very simple to play relaxing for me to play it and easy to introduce new people to now reef has i think reef is easy to introduce people to the reason i ranked reef ahead of azul personally is I like the hand management piece to it, and I like games um, that you have to think multiple plays ahead, and you have to with Reef. You can't just... With Azul, you kind of do that, and you can think ahead, especially when you're getting to the end and there's that pile in the middle, and you're like, okay, well, if Dean takes this and my wife takes that one, then I'm going to be stuck with this. Mm -hmm. And you're going to think several... Uh, at least a couple, I would say, plays ahead when you get towards the end there. Um, but with Reef, you're constantly have to think in ahead. You've got to go, okay, well, I've got this. And then you have to get the right combo. I like combo games. Yeah. You know, Everdale we talked about, like, getting that chain. You have to get the combinations where you're playing them in, in the right order. And if you screw up, which I have, and you have it lined up, and you don't play them in the right order, it can really ruin the rest of the game. So there is a lot of thinkiness with reef and that's 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 why i like it. i like how you stack them on top of each other too there's just that kind of other little dimension thing now i will say out of these three games i think both azules are prettier than reef uh they're more aesthetically pleasing yeah maybe at least the original azules maybe not the second there i would say second and reef a reef kind of feels like a kid's game the way it looks yeah, I was just tapping on the table. Like, I don't know why. <laughs> I was so if you hear the da 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 da, um, I for some reason I needed to do that to express my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I had to rank the them component or, or art, art. I mean, there's not really much art. It's mostly just colors and you know the the tiles yeah. of the components and stuff. I would say I would probably put Azul. Azul stained glass of of Sintra and then Reef, and then, but again, I mean that's yeah they're so close, so, they're so close, close. In, so in everything. Well, let's talk about stained glass and why we put it last. So I'll let you kind of start that little piece of the conversation. I'm terrible at this game. I'm so <laughs> bad at this game. That's why. So the reason Azul is number one is because he obliterates people, and the reason stained glass is number three is because he's terrible at. There it. might be some truth to that. Meeple Town. Write that down and remember that. Just just etch that in your brains. If you want to beat me in a game, play well. Play me in most games. You're probably going to win. <laughs> but stained glass, it's not forgiving at all. And that's honestly really the biggest reason why it's at the bottom of this gotcha. for me. I mean, you can you can really get hosed in this game, and I feel like you can in you can in Azul as well. 
but I feel like it's a little more forgiving. Whereas in stained glass, like if for every tile that you take, you have to, which, okay, this is the same as in Azul too, I guess, but every tile that you take that you can't use, it's gonna like fall off the window or whatever, yeah, and then go back into the box. And when it does that, you're gonna move your little marker down. But, so I guess that works like Azul, but for some reason, maybe it was just bad plays for me, but that happened really to me so much. I've had to lose so many points based on like having to take tiles that I can't do anything Just because you're not good at it. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. That there is a lot of truth to that. But but again, I still really like this game, despite I like it, despite you know it, it being number three on here. But. I feel like if Azul hadn't come out, I would like this one even better. Like it, it, it's, I actually I wrestle with this because I stained glass is a little more thinky, and I almost always like games that have a little bit more thinkiness complexity to it so i was i was sure when i played stained glass i would like it um better than azul but i don't know i don't you know sometimes you just in your gut just kind of go i'll just like azul better right you know and i can't always put a finger on exactly what it is um i don't like the strips or whatever that you put on stained glass they kind of wave back and forth and i know that that's not really a big deal um but i, I would play any of these three um, pretty much any time. I want to say that as well. So if you're yelling, going, no way. I, I know people that have absolutely said Stained Glass killed Azul for them because it's a little more thinky and they're just like, nope, I'm done with Azul. I'm going to play Stained Glass. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with someone saying that. I would keep Azul because Azul is easier to teach. Yeah. But that's me. You know what I don't understand, though, is a people saying that Reef kills Azul because they're so different. Yeah, I don't I, yeah. The only reason, honestly, that they get any kind of comparison is because they're by the same company, but they're not at all the same game. No, I don't see why it would kill. I, 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 I own Azul and I don't own Reef, but I want Reef. Yeah. So I'm, and I have no problem saying I'm not going to get rid of Azul because I have Reef. No way. They're both really good games. They're 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 cool. So let me let's just do this for fun. Let's see what Board Game Geek like. Look at their ratings to see how they would have like ranked it. I've got them all up here. Yeah, I do too. Before we do that, let's go ahead and say that this isn't going to be fair because Reef hasn't been out for that long. Correct. And Azul Stained Glass just came out within like the last two weeks or something like that. So, so. there's like there's two pieces to it not being fair. I guess um, it could be that the. Um, Sorry, the, the rankings and stuff like that will be higher for games that have been sticking around a little bit longer, right? And but the uh, but the ratings may be higher for the ones that haven't because they haven't had as many ratings. Yeah. So there's a little yeah. bit of that going on. So let's just but this will just be kind of for fun. So let's go to the original Azul on um, Board Game Geek. The original Azul is rated an eight, so it is absolutely rated um, the highest. So they would totally agree with you, Dean on that they would also it's also the number one abstract game and it's not oh it's rated an eight you i'm sorry i thought you said it was ranked an eight and i was like that's not rated (laughs) rated it's like wow it is rated an eight it is ranked number one abstract number one family that's a big deal and 37 overall so honestly hands down this is in board game geek world everybody's favorite so that's cool. So let's see. I'm going to look at uh, Reef, which I rated number one and Dean rated number two. And it's only a 7.3. So that's not near as highly rated. It's ranked 23 in the abstract category and 149. Are you surprised by that or no? I think over time that this is going to move up quite a bit higher. 
honestly. Even with the even with the rating of seven point three, you haven't said this yet, but it's overall seven hundred and ninety seven. Yeah. That'll come up quite a bit. I don't know if it's gonna go in the top hundred, but I could see that happening because people really like this game. I know. Do you think that it's do you think that even though they're different games, it's just being overshadowed by Azul right now? Yeah, that could be. I, I well. think it is. And I, and I even think that stained glass, it won't be as overshadowed, maybe just because it has the Azul name and everyone who loves Azul is just gonna go out and buy it. But um, by the way, that one has only eight. This one only has eight hundred and three ratings, so this is not very many ratings. Um, but it's seven point six, so that's actually higher rated right now than Reef. Its rank overall is um, twelve forty seven, and it doesn't actually have it under abstract. It just has two forty two in family. So the uh, Reef is ranked higher in the family category, though the rating is lower. And again, that's because Reef has a 1.8 um, 1800 yes K I was going to say K but it has 1800 ratings versus 800 so again that's why it's going to change a little bit so I guess however you look at it um, they agree more with you than they agree with me it looks like I, Dean I feel like that is normal right that's, that's so basically Dean just went to Board Game Geek and agreed with everybody yeah. that's what happened I know it that's how I came up with my rating system but they're Not so close to me it, it, you know they were all these are all really good games in my opinion they are really good games. Yep, so if you like family weight abstract games, you can't go wrong with any of these. No, yep. not at all. Alrighty, Meeple Town. Another thing that Dean and I are looking forward to is our next podcast. And the why I'm mentioning it now is we want you to help us and be involved in this. So something that we've heard some feedback about and something that Dean and I have actually talked about quite a bit is that we want this podcast to not only talk about what's new and what's hot. We know that that's fun to listen to but a lot of podcasts do that and a lot don't really look back and do reviews on older games a terraforming mars a a, you know a viticulture a stone age or something like that and we want to do that here so go to our uh, twitter page our handle is at Meepletown Games. That's at Meepletown Games. And by the time this podcast is recorded, I'm going to have a poll up and we're going to have four choices. And we want you all to pick one game to review. And again, this is going to be kind of a classic, a throwback game. And then Dean and I are going to pick one. And so we will do two reviews on our next podcast. So go again to at Meepletown Games and check it out. All right, that's going to do it for episode number four. Don't forget, if you'd like to connect to us outside of just listening to the podcast, you can reach us at Meepletown Games on our Twitter account. Again, that's at Meepletown Games. Or you can reach out to us on our Board Game Geek Guild. That's guild number 3407, just Meepletown. So we'll see you back in a couple more weeks when we talk about some older games. But until then, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Meepletown.